final panel. Hope you all have a cold beer. It's getting a little warm in here. Getting a little cozy. How's everybody doing out there? All right. So our final panel, it's a good one. We got Mike Johnson, James Myrtle, and Andy Petrillo joining me up on stage. Let's give it up for them. Probably just chugging their drinks back there. We already had the hockey talk going on. We were just warming up. All right, guys. I think uh, we know what we're going to start with. There was a, a little bit of news that broke today. I don't know if you guys heard it, but a guy named Connor McDavid signed this, like, tiny contract, you know, with the Edmonton Oilers. He I think that's He hasn't signed it yet. Not yet, Not yet but he he's out talking about it. And, um, yeah, I think that's where we should start. It, it's, it's big news if you haven't heard. I mean, Connor McDavid is looking at signing the max eight years, and he's looking at $13.25 million, which would make him the highest paid player in the National Hockey League because right now it's Taves and Kane at 10.5. And the big debate, obviously, is whether or not he should demand that kind of money because will he end up putting the Edmonton Oilers in a pickle? A lot of people think if he demands that kind of money, you don't really have that much money left over to pay your other players, and he's going to be passing to AHLers for the rest of his career, and there's others that say, well, screw it. He has every right to demand that money, and it's the GM's job to think about how he's going to manage the team and pay the others and put them around him. But I guess I would ask the question also to the former player, is if you're in that position, I mean, what are you doing? Are you demanding? Is the NHLPA also encouraging you to take the max? I don't think the PA is as involved now as it used to be when there was no cap because they want to keep pushing up and up and up because they realize however you want to cut it up, the players are going to get the same amount of money. So I don't think they necessarily care as much now as they did then that they make 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. It may look good relative to the other sports, but I don't think they're as concerned. Certainly back before there was a cap, it was very important. You were never allowed to take less than you were optimally going to get. But Andy, you know me. You know what my – like, of course he should take it. Yeah. Of course he – I mean – it is absolutely his Mike right. Mike won't even pay for dinner. He'll be like, let me take a look at the bill. I'm split it completely down the middle, and that's one cent more on your side. Well, I'm good at math. What am I going to do? No. He's throwing you under the bus. Yeah. We've worked together before, yeah. Um, so I absolutely think it's his right. He should if he wants to. If he wants to be like Sidney Crosby and, and take less, which I think will be the comparison that will spur this kind of conversation because Sid's not even the highest paid player on his team. Um, but, yeah, it's his, and it's not his problem. It's not his issue. He's a smart guy. If he thinks getting paid 10 will allow $3 more million to be paid for a winger, that's his prerogative. But it is 100% his right, um, and he should get whatever he wants or whatever the team's willing to pay him because the second he's not – I know it's Connor McDavid, so he's unusual. The second you're not worth whatever you're getting paid, the team's going to do whatever they can to get rid of you. So get what you can while you can because there's – while the team asks for a lot of loyalty – city asks for a lot of loyalty. The fans want a lot of loyalty. They only want it one way. Because when it doesn't work for them anymore, then it's like, we got to get rid of you. The, the loyalty doesn't extend back the other way when it maybe the scale is tipped. So absolutely, I am. Uh, I, I thought he was going to do this, and I have no problem with him doing it. So what do you think of the idea that maybe he is giving them a bit of a discount and that he's giving them the full eight years? Because he didn't have to do that, and that was kind of the debate is maybe he'll do a three-year deal, maybe he'll do a five-year deal. And then when he re-ups and the cap is $90 million, Conor McDavid can be getting his cap hit could 15, be 16, 18 whatever, yeah. or I, w I was going to say more. But yeah. you know, because he maybe at that point his accomplishments are 
he's won four hard trophies or you yeah. know he's got a bigger resume. Can we realistically see the cap going up that high? I mean, the Canadian dollar is not getting any better. They already just used the escalator, what, like 2.9% as opposed to the full 5%. So already you're starting to see the dip in keeping the cap flat. So when you bring up Sidney Crosby, he also, I mean, he signed that deal. There's, there's two parts that also pissed me off about that. I mean, he signed it knowing that the cap at that point was escalating. Like, it was pretty known that it was escalating and it was going to go higher, so it looked good. But if you're Sydney, are you not pissed that then they tell you, can you take a discount? But, hey, when we're going to sign Gino Malkin exactly. now, he's going to make more than you. Sidney Crosby's not even the highest paid player on the Pittsburgh Penguins. You're like, huh? That makes no sense. Could you imagine if Leon Dreisaitl is, gets more money than Connor McDavid? Well, yeah. But th- that'll, no. be, that'll be the issue for Edmonton, though, because the, because Leon needs to sign now. Like Connor's signing for next year, so he's got another year to play in his entry-level deal. So, Con- so Leon now can walk in and say, well, if Connor's 13, what am I relative to Connor? Am I, am I 80% of Connor? Either way, I'm 10. And I don't think Edmonton has any intent or had any intention of paying Leon Dreisel $10 million. Well, and I think that's what's going to happen for the Leafs now is that Austin Matthews is going to have a huge year in his second year, yeah. and he's going to say, I'm worth 11, and then William Nylander is going to be riding shotgun on his wing, and he's going to say, I'm worth whatever Eight. it is, nine and a yeah. half, or and Marner's going to do the same thing. And it's going to raise the bar for all of the young players right out of their entry-level deals. Like, if you look at it, Connor McDavid has only played – 120 games? Yeah, 120 games in the NHL, and already he's the highest-paid player in the league. I mean, that's that sets a precedent. Yeah. Uh, is he so unique, though, that teams, I, I can imagine being Lou Lamorello, and he'd be like, you're not Connor McDavid. You know, like he's, <laughs> you know, he's. He, that's pretty good. It's <laughs> a great impression. And I, and I think. Cut be, your hair. Yeah. Because, yeah, yeah. Don't, don't get me started on the hair. and the. If I could grow facial hair, I'd try. But, um, yeah, I, I think. Because Connor's so unique, I think maybe other teams will just treat him as you're he raises not the bar, though, right? Yeah. Like, I but, mean, but I think like they'll be like, listen, Austin, yeah, you're great. You had 42 goals in a row, two years in a row, and you had 70 points now. But he got 100, and he's won at heart. And you're not going to do, you know, like, it, it, very few players will have done that. And Edmonton didn't have to do this. They don't have to do it now. Like, you forget that restricted free agents coming out of their entry level deals, which who are now the players who get paid almost the most. They don't have any rights other than to sit out. And is Connor going to sit out? I know Edmonton doesn't want that. Nobody wants that. But, like, you don't have to give players, because they're anti-players, maybe. You don't have to give players every single thing they want just because. Well, and this brings up an interesting point, because something else that we brought up is that you're starting to see a lot of these RFAs getting signed to big deals. Massive contracts. We're not really seeing the bridges, because even now Jack Eichel, apparently they're already discussing him. And it was brought up that are we seeing the middle class, so to call them, disappear in the NHL? So you're either in that upper echelon where you're considered the superstar and you're making tons of money. And then because you're making tons of money, you've got to then pay guys around a million to three million in order to not go over the cap. Like, is the cap era killing the middle class? It hasn't happened yet because, I mean, look at what they gave um – Chris Russell. I mean, like, look at look at what like the number four, number six, number seven forward, number four D, number six, number seven forward get. They're still getting a lot of money. So, th- when the cap first came in in, t- in two thousand five, everyone was talking about the middle class was going to be completely wiped out, and it didn't happen. And what happened was the stars just kept getting the same amount of money no matter how high the cap went because guys like Paul Korea and Joe Sakic and Sergey Fedorov. I remember when I was in high school in the nineties, they were making ten million. And then now we're still talking about, oh, wow, McDavid's getting 13. 
what happened is the stars' money never went up, and the Chris Russells got way more money. But money relative to total dollars spent is probably more, right? Like ten million dollars on a sixty-eight million dollar cap, whatever that is, fourteen percent. Like if, if there was no cap in ninety-eight. But I'm not saying so. But I'm saying so. If you get nine million on a ninety-five million, hundred million dollar team, you're getting nine percent. I think that's what matters. It's not even how many dollars you make. It's what percentage of the cap that you're taking up. But probably the stars should be making more money in the NHL. Like you look at other sports, and the stars are making the big money. But in the other, I would say like that's why I like the other. But like in basketball, you you only need you need three guys to make a lot of money. You don't need guys to make. You can have a real drop off because it's a star-driven league. Football maybe is the same way. Baseball, there's no cap. But you know, for hockey, you can have, and I think we're going to see this with Chicago. You can have two guys making twenty-one million dollars on a seventy million dollar cap. You're going to be in trouble. And so. That's the Penguins won. The Penguins won the cup. I mean, their two guys are making almost twenty. Absolutely, those two guys are pretty unique, and they, yeah, they're you're, no question. It's possible. But does every team have those two players? I think that's the question. Like, no. are we getting to the point where every single team has one or two superstars? Because you know that's what happens in yeah. the NHL, right? As we're just discussing right now with the Leafs, suddenly one superstar on one team makes, let's just say, he ends up signing for thirteen point two five. Automatically, we start to say, well, what does that mean for Austin Matthews? Then a, t- a player That's who's who the happiest guy is today right now. No Jack kidding. Eichel, Austin Matthews are on a group text <laughs> like, effect. yes, happy faces, happy faces, no dollar kidding. signs. <laughs> yes. But, I mean, who on any other team is that? But that's what they do. They're like, well, listen, I'm kind of close, so you know what? I should be the highest paid on this team. Well, no, Colorado. You actually suck, and you don't really have a top player who should be making that. But that's what I mean. Like, who are – that's what hockey does. They compare their, their numbers to other players, and that's when they say, I should be the highest played on this team. But they're not as star-driven as these other leagues. I just find it really interesting to see what's, what's going to happen. I think teams look around the league. Like, free agency's on Saturday. Teams look around the league, and they go to free agency, and there's, there's no, aren't almost nobody there. There's nobody for them to buy anymore. So if you're going to buy something, you've got you to gotta keep the guys you've this got. This is where they do okay. some stupid moves. Talk about buying things. You can riddle me this. How come nobody wants to offer keep Leon Dreisaitl right now? That's been brought up. Too. I mean, because if you're so going to sign nasty. him, if you want to sign him for $9 million. Colton Pareko is a guy that Tyler Dello, Tyler Dello talked about that they should. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you could give, well, what's the second tier of the, uh, the offer sheet? It's like 7.8 and then younger. I was going to say under 9.8. No under. one dare offer sheet William Nylander because Lou would make you disappear. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you, j- you joke. But I think that's why they don't do it because I think the other <laughs> <laughs> I think the other GMs are worried about irritating each other. And if it's a, if it's a if you're allowed to, if it's part of the CBA, if it's a competitive um, tool that you can use, I, I don't know why more teams don't. I, I, I get understand that you can drive salaries up, but driving salary up, I mean, who really cares? Because the players are still going to get just get their fifty percent of whatever. So I, I see Connor signing thirteen and a quarter. You know that they. I mean, they can't sign Leon Dreisaitl for $10 million, can they? They have $23 million in two players. They have a 30-year salary. Bye-bye, Milan Lucic. Well, Lucic is not going anywhere. Is he has a contract? Trade him? I don't know. His contract's so buy out. It's so Lube, bad because it's all bonuses, yeah, right? Yeah, you can't like send him anywhere. Bye-bye, news. The Clarkson deal. Yeah, oh so <laughs> that, I, it's, we never, never see it. And I think you take teams that are, whether they're tight to the cap or they're financially strapped, that don't want to pay that guy. And you think, well, I don't want to give up three first-rounders. And the next three first-rounders for Toronto, let's just say, are they going to get a player better than Colton Pareko? Unlikely. Possible, but it's unlikely. If they pick 20th overall three years in a row, they may hit the lottery, but it's unlikely. You know what, what that guy might be. 
I'm surprised more guys do it. If I was a GM, <laughs> when I'm a GM, as soon as somebody I know buys a team, um, mom, um, <laughs> then I would I would be inclined to want to try to do it. I feel like this topic could like do the. Are we hijacked? No, it's good. I think we should kind of switch up the like theme of it. We did like the Q and A at the end of a lot of the panels. Maybe we bring in the audience a little bit on this topic because I'm sure a lot of you out there. Uh, have some questions for these guys on the Connor McDavid um, extension. I see a hand over Did here. Do you see a hand? In your peripheral. That's my buddy Sam, right? Hey, Sam. What's your question? Oh, we're coming with a wireless mic. Um, with the McDavid news, obviously, you know, like you guys have been talking about the cap, but also I'm a huge fan of the NBA too, and I was just thinking, you know, why didn't Connor McDavid not, why does Connor McDavid sign that? Don't you think like teams, why don't NHL players want to team up together? create like a dream team like if there was does, does the cap kill that because like the potential of Carey Price and Drew Doughty teaming up together to join like a team that'd be cool they'd have to take they a lot less to that. do that they would have to take smaller contracts but I it could theoretically happen they'd have to time when they're going to be UFA together and yeah I, I mean I think the NBA is a little bit luckier well the NBA they do take take us because if you resign with your original team you get more you get more term more money uh, but the NBA can also go over the salary cap and then pay a very hefty luxury tax. So if you want to pay, like the Golden State Warriors, if they sign everyone, they pay like a billion, no joke, dollars in salaries and penalties in the next four years. So, um, and, and because hockey is so different than basketball, you can't build a – you can put Drew Doughty and Carey Price on the same team. They're not going to win the Stanley Cup. Put Drew Doughty in Montreal, they're still not going to win the Stanley Cup. Like, you need more pieces. I feel like Montreal is being picked on a lot tonight. <laughs> Listen, I love Montreal. I played there. <laughs> But yes, it just, it's, uh, like I said, I've heard a lot of places, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> but I, I don't, I, I, it's just too hard. You need too many players. You need like seven or eight guys to win a cup. Yeah, and it's all come together for Drew, like, to make that move. I don't know if the, the personalities are a little bit different than the NBA. Well, and I think you just, to me, there's two things. Yes, the salary cap, I think, kills a lot of that. And based on what even the first panel was discussing, just the culture of hockey, there's still a lot of these guys who don't want to step out, who don't want to ruffle feathers, don't put the spotlight on me, got to be a team player, you know, head down, it's all about the team. And until you kind of eliminate that culture and really see somebody break free and finally take a stand to say, screw it, I'm awesome, and I'm really good. Didn't and we see that? And with who? PK. Well, Pete, you know what? He, they signed him to a bridge deal, though, right? Mm -hmm. And then he proved his worth in those, and then and then got traded. So that's yeah. Well, that's interesting too. That's a whole other topic. Yes, yeah. Where's Sean? Um, but and then that's another risk, and I think that's why we're also seeing. I mean, that's a whole other topic, but I think that's another reason why we see some pretty big deals coming out of, you know, entry levels where you say, oh, there are phase we still have control over them because there's still that fear. I mean, do you take a chance and sign a guy to a bridge deal? So William Nylander, for example, is an RFA. So we should be hearing about a deal pretty soon. But do you take a chance and sign him to a two-year deal? And he continues to do what he did this year. He continues to dominate. And then suddenly what you would have paid him was, I don't know, what are you going to pay him, like six, seven million? Suddenly he kills it in two years. And it's like, whoops, maybe now we actually have to owe him nine or ten. So those are risks that a lot of people aren't willing to take. But to go back to your question, I think a lot of it, too, is a culture thing. So that's why I think a lot of eyes are on Connor McDavid because it'll be curious to see how he actually approaches this. But don't you think – you guys are in the media. I'm not. I'm, I'm <laughs> yes, a you are. I'm a player. You're on this I'm side now. Player. Don't be in denial. Where do, you, where do you play? Where do I play? <laughs> <laughs> Upper Canada College. Wednesday nights. I'm missing my game right now. Um, 
But I think the react if a different guy took a contract like Connor McDavid, if if a different from a different country, from a different style of player, whatever, took that much money and, and maybe put their team in a tough spot or took more and became the highest paid player and whatever the, the narrative might be, the reaction would be different than what Connor McDavid's gonna get. I think Connor because he's handled everything so beautifully and he's incredible and Canadian. He's a Canadian boy. And a Can you imagine, though, if he it. comes like, out and he struggles a little bit, what's going to happen? Nothing's like, going to happen to him. I, don't, I don't honestly, and he's not going to struggle. He's too good. But, it, it, like, you know, if whatever. I don't know, I think of a young uh, – if, if Ovi's the obvious candidate, but if Ovi took yeah, – The Yashin contract, remind, or he, Yashin held yeah. out and then got $90 million. I just think the reaction would be very different than what Connor is going to get. Why is that? Why are you going down? Media. Well, why are you people? doing that? I haven't had enough to drink to discuss those <laughs> kinds of things about the culture of hockey. Um, but it is very true. And we've, I mean, these are, type, these are conversations we've had already. In fact, we were just discussing it in the back as well when it came to PK because the first panel was showing a lot of love for him um, and how he, you know, he's criticized for a lot of things that he does. And, you know, one of the things that he was recently criticized for was dancing on the ice during the warm-up. And I just brought up, I'm like, you do realize Brent Burns does some dancing on the ice, but yet nobody will criticize him. Kind of makes you go, hmm. And it is interesting, if there was someone who was not Canadian, who took that kind of deal, ah, oh, selfish, not a team player, you know, and you start to have that kind of conversation, whereas if Connor does end up taking less than 13.25, good Canadian boy, didn't screw the team over, good for him. Or even if he does take 13.25, it's good for him, blazing the trail, yeah. got to start standing up for yourself. So let's just sometimes take a step back and also realize where we're coming from, right? Very true. It's a win-win situation for him. Any more questions in the audience on the McDavid deal? I can't really. Yeah, we have one back there. There we go. We got a mic. Uh, like relating to the super team question, I suppose. Like, is there any? Do you feel there's any intention to make a luxury tax or like a hard cap? It's so. There's no maneuver. It, there's no room around it. The original six teams, there, there's no advantage against the, the, the Carolinas. Players would love a luxury tax. I mean, they tried to get it in the last negotiation, and, and they, they failed. So Bettman has been a hardliner about Thanks having a hard cap. And was it the old guys <laughs> that, like, opposed it? No, I, the, I no, was the part league. of the lockout in 04. How did that go? I heard it Not was wild. Well. <laughs> How much did you lose? <laughs> How much did you lose? Just a whole year much. or so. I had just signed a three-year contract, too, my biggest contract in my career. So I lost a year of that plus 25% of the remaining two years. Apparently that's what's also holding so up the Connor McDavid deal. They whatever. believe there's going to be a lockout in the well, 2020. Which was part of the discussion why you'd have a, a three- or four- or five-year deal because then you'd come back to the table when you know the landscape in front of you. But we, we tried our best back then to not even get a cap. We missed the whole year in that so effort. Those owners are vicious, huh? Well, it's the old millionaires versus billionaires problem, right? Like they can, like my career was ten years; their ownership career is forty. Like they can outweigh me. We didn't think they would. We were really wrong. <laughs> um, but the, you know, if they're willing to stop, then then they got you. I mean, you know, if if the appetite, if they're if they're, and the thing with the owners that if they get the cap back then their franchise value went up whatever amount of profit they have, may have missed in that one year of not playing. They're financially better off anyways. 
we probably should have taken that into consideration a little more closely. But yeah, no, it, we tried and we failed miserably. So. Something that, and I got to give Gordon Miller credit for this because it wasn't really my idea, although he was talking about um, something similar to what Major League Soccer does. So if you follow Major League Soccer, you know that they have three designated player spots. So they can get paid like six, seven, eight million dollars, but only a certain amount, which is a very small amount, will count towards the actual team cap. How about that game last night? Fantastic. So good. So good. Is that yeah. the drum? Did I just hear someone hit the was drum? The <laughs> <laughs> I thought I hit the corner. There you go. Here. I was there and had to lie that I wasn't there because my voice no obviously was being No wonder your voice crap. is sore. I know. No, I'm sick. And I was like, no, it wasn't there. It wasn't screaming or yelling. Um, and, and I know obviously it's a bit of a different setup because in MLS they actually get paid by the league as opposed to having individual owners pay them. But what if they introduce something like that in hockey? In a sense, like let's just say, for example, you've been with the team for five years. So if you've been with the team for five years, so obviously there has to be parameters, you sign your next big deal, and then because you've been with the team for five years, 60% of that count towards the cap and not have the 40% count towards the cap. And then obviously there's... So you have to have been with the team for five years, and then maybe after you sign that big deal, they have to at least remain with the team for another three years to that not have that. That negates the entire principle of the cap to the owners. Like That's like the we're whole we're point. We're <laughs> yeah, well, which is why they're not going to do it. Like They Scroll want 50-50, and however you want to dance around making it 51 or 53 or 54. I'm trying to help you out. I should have been there in 04, 05. I mean, your ideas were, would have been welcomed. Also <laughs> shot down, yeah. But if you do that, then all of a sudden you're going to have teams like Arizona and Carolina. And teams that don't spend to the cap are not going to have any of those guys. They're not going to stay there. Because Aww, they're gonna, Arizona. They're going to go where – I also played in Arizona. <laughs> <laughs> but on a big picture, is that, not, that might not be a bad thing. It's bad for Arizona or Carolina or Florida or wherever. But if all the best stars are in New York and Chicago and Philly and Toronto and Montreal and Vancouver and – Whatever other you big don't think that would LA? help those teams out to know that only 60% would actually count towards no, the cap? Or are you talking about the floor? I they won't actually hit no, the floor. No, I'm just saying, right? uh, like, for the league, that would be great for the league. If the best, if the biggest cities are the best teams, that would be good for the league. I think the growth of it, it, it would drive revenue in the interest in the states. wouldn't help the smaller teams, but it would help the bigger ones, which would help the league. Part of the problem in the NHL is the smaller teams are so small and so weak that it would, like, it'll destroy them. It doesn't just hurt them. It just, it's the end of them. Is that, I tried. Is that the end of the McDavid chat, or we got some more out there? Should we move on to Matt Duchesne? That was a great chat, though, guys. Let's move on to, <laughs> to Matt Duchesne. He wants to start he's he's getting married he's next week, I think. Oh, <laughs> poor guy. Which, is, which ties into the fact that, why is he a poor guy? He's getting married. It's great. Mm, Talk to him in 10 years, but whatever. <laughs> um, no, but I, I think that ties into his situation because I think Matt struggled with the Wait, uncertainty. Wait, where is his wife from? Not to be all TMZ on you, but do you know where his situation is? I think she's from Colorado. Ah, uh, screwed. Yeah. No, but it's true, right? Like, this is stuff that we... we it's like Luongo, right? Like, he kind of chased that family. I mean, now with Brian Boyle, I mean, the, obviously the Leafs were hearing the Leafs aren't showing interest, but it's because, I mean, he married a Tampa girl, and there's a belief that he really wants to go back to Tampa Bay. He does? Brian Boyle. She does. And she does. Oh. Well, what she wants, he happy wants. Happy wife, happy life. So, I mean, th that is a real that is a real thing in sports. When a lot of people say, man, you go where you can win. Eh, your family has, you know, plays a huge factor in it. But with Matt Duchesne, I know that his camp just recently came out, so his agent is Pat Persson. 
and they talked about how pissed off they are with basically how the Colorado Avalanche are dealing with the situation. They don't feel they're being aggressive enough in trying to trade him. So that tells me Matt Duchesne does want out. But I think it's he wants he didn't like the instability. He felt very, as you would when you're picked third overall, he's pretty good. He plays in the Olympics, all those different things. You get used to being comfortable when you're a player of his caliber. It's unusual for guys like that to feel the unease that a lesser player would feel when you're like, okay, hey, our team needs to make a trade because we're struggling or we need a new player. You're like, you know if you're one of those guys that might get dealt. You know if you're one of those guys who won't. Matt, for his life, has never been the guy to get dealt. And I think he really struggled last year knowing that it might be him. So given his new family dynamic, I think he wants stability. And if that's not going to happen in Colorado, which it apparently isn't, then I th that's why I think he's very open to going somewhere else. He probably doesn't want to play in a 50-point team again. I mean, like, they were It's awful. hard to be that bad they in the NHL. They were awful. It's when hard. Buffalo tried to tank, or when they did. Ba Buffalo's trying to be that bad. They were trying to be that bad to get Connor McDavid, and they still had more points than what the Colorado Avalanche The last team yeah. that was worse than that was the expansion Thrashers. Like, yeah. it's, it's yeah. crazy. I've played on some bad teams. It's so miserable. Like did you I play in Colorado? No, but I played in Tampa, and we won, like, not often. <laughs> the numbers are too depressing, and it's and it's no matter how much money you make or how well you're doing it, it's a pretty miserable existence. So the problem is, I thought Hamnick might be a, a good target. Get him to New York, the Islands. Um, Hamnick, any defenseman, he's a younger, you know, might fit in with where they're going. You just wonder if it's, but if Hamnick's worth what a first and two seconds, like what's Matt Duchesne worth? Like. He's Do you think Joe Sackick, though, is asking for too much? I mean, given the year he's had, I think it's like three goals in his last 39, didn't have a good world championship, has been part of a leadership group in Colorado that really hasn't gotten much done. Do you think Joe Sackick is asking maybe for Obviously, too much? Obviously, if the deal's not done, then it's, I mean, you know, it's like supply and demand. Yeah, if they're if in a sell-low situation the way the Leafs yeah. were with Phil Kessel, where you have this just brutal finish to the year, and then yeah. it's hard to, yeah. all anyone can remember about the guy is how bad his last 40 games were. This is where I wonder, and again, we brought this up on Leafs Lunch today with Matt Duchesne. Do you think that a lot of people regard him you know, pretty highly because of what he's done for Team Canada, but don't really look at what he's accomplishing in Colorado? So you don't really realize that maybe you shouldn't ask that much for him. Yeah, I, well, I think a lot of – I'm Canadian, proudly. Happy birthday, Canada, coming up. Yes. But I think a lot of people could play on Team Canada and look really good. And, and to say Mike Babcock won the Olympics, James probably could coach that team to the Olympics. I mean, like, you know, when they're that good, I think a lot of people could have that kind of – maybe? Bronze? What do you mean bronze? Probably? Pretty soon, because this is on Facebook Live, and Lou will make you disappear. Babcock uh, watching. <laughs> Cut your hair. Yeah, I just got a haircut today, all right? I'm good. Um, yeah. But uh, – but, yeah, I can't. I can't grow sideburns. It's not a problem. But I, I, I maybe I think that's point is valid because he's had such great success internationally, um, and, and maybe they're they're overselling or they're overvaluing because he's he's done well with Team Canada in the Olympics and World Cups and stuff. We'll see if he starts trading camp with Colorado. But what, what's Colorado going to do? Like, like what do they want, James? Tell me. They want a first round in 2018, don't they? Uh, to start. What to start? Though. Because they're not—they're they're so bad last year. If they're rebuilding, they need a new GM. They need—they need. They need 
That's the first thing they need. Is they and that's need another thing. Aren't you scared to insult Joel Salter? Apparently not. I'm not, I'm not but <laughs> <laughs> amazing wrist shot. Not very good at, you know, what's going on right now. There's a reason they were interested in Kyle Dubas, and it's because they should be. I mean, they, they need help there. And I, I, I was hearing all last summer that they were going to trade a bunch of their big names. Tyson Berry and Landis Cox's yeah, name yeah. was out there. and. It, and a lot of that was Patrick Waugh fighting with those guys. And, you know, the instability that you're talking about, a lot of it is it's self-inflicted by Colorado. So I think they're going to be a mess for a while. And I think, like, fans aren't showing up there anymore. You know, they no. got the fans there got spoiled for a long time. Morale is low. Very. Question. Is our morale low in the audience? Or we got, <laughs> we got some questions out there on the Duchesne rumors. Ask if we can. Yeah. Just throw them out there. Um, so talking about Colorado, um, how do teams like the Leafs, who have all these young stars like Colorado have, how do you sort of avoid becoming Colorado? That's, yeah, how do you build and start where you are with Toronto and say, okay, we don't want to be Colorado? How, what do you do to ensure you don't become that? Keep players like Is this on Facebook Live? I think so. You get a good coach, which they have in Toronto. There you uh, go. See how we do that? Uh, no, but I think that's part of it. I think they have a very good coach that is will help navigate some of these young guys as they grow up. Um, and maybe the mess we saw last year showed it wasn't all Patrick Waugh, but I don't know if Patrick Waugh was – I know he won Coach of the Year, right? A couple you years know, ago. When, 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 when Varley won the Vezina? Vezina? Yeah. Uh, very coincidental there. Uh, but I, I just think th that's the number one thing. You need a good coach to kind of help have the guys grow – um, and I think having other support pieces around them. Like, I know it's a young league, and that's good. Uh, all Toronto's best players will all be kind of 23 and under for the next few years. But I think it's important to have guys a bit older, kind of not over 30, but in that, like, late 20 age that have been around a little bit to help also. They had those guys, and they kept shedding them for nothing. They lost Paul Stastny to in yeah. free agency. They lost Ryan O'Reilly for magic beans like they, they kept losing these guys for yeah. not getting enough back and that's just in the cap world where there's no talent coming up in in unrestricted free agency it's going to kill you and stability like just what we were discussing yeah. i think that's one thing that we're noticing with this new lease regime is that lou brendan and babcock are all on the same page and this is why they work well together there seems to be a really good dynamic there and there's communication there so you're not having a situation at least not yet knock on wood uh, where, you know, Patrick Waugh, your coach, is walking away from the team. Because you have to remember, Colorado's, at least since, you know, I've been keeping an eye on it, they haven't really been consistent. Because before that year where, you know, Patrick Waugh won coach of the year and Varlamov ended up winning the Vesna, the year before, didn't they finish last night? That's where J.S. Jaguar came out and said, we're at the bottom here and guys don't even want to finish off the season. They're already worried about their vacations to Vegas before, you know, finishing off the rest of the season here. And then, of course, Patrick Waugh comes on board turns things around, but then it goes, it dips back down. There's something else going on there. And the only thing I can think about is you have your talent on the ice. Yes, you're trading away players. What's the message you're sending then to the rest of your team? I think morale is just pretty down there, and I think it starts with management. The message is we don't know what we're doing. Yeah. I think that's what's happening. Whereas, you know, if you compare it to the Leafs, they all seem to be on the same page. And, I mean, I, if from what I gauge from a lot of Leafs fans, they're pretty happy with what they're doing. There seems to be a lot of stability there at least. Any more questions on Duchesne? We'll move on to free agency. Yeah. What was that? 
quadruple. <laughs> Who the hell is going to take Rupaul? Oh Arizona. They need to get to the floor. But did it, I mean. I'm not being funny. Like they, they, but it's they, true. They, they lost two very to get rid of Arizona lost two very important players this summer, right? Didn't they lose Datsuk and Pronger? They both came up. <laughs> and I played in Arizona. But I think they lost like $10 million. They're loading up, though. They brought in Stepan and they're, yeah, that's they're going for it. But they have so many. Jarmelson, they have so many, didn't they bring in They have so many young kids. Yeah. It's, they're still going to be barely above the floor. I saw some hands at the back there. Uh, we'll do the green and white hat. We'll wait for the mic to reach you. Uh, just on the subject of Patrick Waugh as a coach, Mike, you were coached by Wayne Gretzky. What was that like? And, and uh, how, do, how do young players or veteran players, uh, you know, deal with a coach who uh, was excellent as a player but was a rookie as a coach, essentially? Don't shit on the great one. He's watching on Facebook. Facebook, Facebook Live. Live. Yeah. Um, it, well, for, like on a, on a legitimate, serious note, it was very neat for us to be around him. Like I grew up in the '80s, and he was my idol. So, like to have him on the ice and to be able to, you know, have experience with him was very neat. It was very cool. Um, as smart as Wayne was, is as, as competitive as he is, I think anybody who does anything for the first time will not be as good as someone who's done it for 15 years. And I think Wayne had a more passion for it than I anticipated, but it was still his first time. And I think he was learning on the fly, which is hard to do with the NHL. I got traded after one year, so which tells you how much he thought of me. Um, but from talking to the guys the second year, he was better the second year than he was the first. And I think even though he's Wayne Gretzky, the player, probably shouldn't be that surprising that there's, you know, you, you're not going to walk in and be the best coach in the world because you were the best player. And so I think you know, Wayne was a rookie coach. He was, he was figuring it out as he went. Um, and he wasn't blessed with a great roster. So that also occasionally hampers your success. The thing that impresses me about Wayne when I hear him talk is just how crazily into hockey he is. He loves the NHL so much, even though he was gone from it there for a long time yeah. after the bankruptcy and yeah. he was kicked out and everything. Like, he he was owed he, some money. He watches so much hockey, and he just loves the NHL. It's just like some it, it guys leave, the, and, yeah. and they leave it behind. It was like one of the most striking things about, like, our first exhibition game. Like, of course, we're all very excited. It's Wayne, and we want to impress him. He's going to be our coach, so we want to be in his good books. And, and game starts, and he knows everywhere he goes, everything he does, there's a camera on him. There's microphones around him, like, especially his first game coaching. And he didn't care. Like, he was so into it, emotional, yelling at us, yelling at the – linesman yelling at the city swearing and like wow like he's he's just like a regular like so passionate about what's going on um even though like you know it might not even show the best when he's just screaming at me on the bench yelling me and you can read his lips not the best words coming out of his mouth but um but he's he, his passion was evident from from day one i'm really pissed that i can't remember who the player is but i heard that one of the players, um, when Wayne, I guess, went on one of his tangents and was, like, yelling at the team, maybe it was, like, during practice, this one player was so shocked because he's like, I had Gretzky PJs as a kid, and he just yelled at me. <laughs> I was like, somebody, it was Craig Budd who told me that story, and now I'm so pissed that I don't remember who that player is, but I can imagine that this is the guy you grew up idolizing you. Now you play for him, and he just ripped you a new one. Every time he got called into his office or he called your phone or he sent you a text, you're like, I got his number. Uh, but, yeah, like it's, uh, it was it, – there was moments like that. But then there's other moments. I remember one time we were having a practice, and we 
been struggling. So it was like, we're going to do three-on-ones until we score eight goals. So we just, like, kept going five lines, down and back, down and back, until we'd score eight goals. Like, three-on-ones should be pretty easy. It wasn't for us at that particular day. And so on our bench were Wayne, Grant Fuhrer, Paul Coffey, uh, Rick Tockett, um, Rick Bonus, who was a, you know, and, and, and we're going back and forth, and we're on the bench as we're waiting to go next, and we're missing, and we're missing. And the, the four of them are sitting there going, I've never seen a team so bad. Like, we're like, <laughs> we can hear you, Wayne. Like, I'm right here. Like, <laughs> and, and <laughs> so there were moments where he's, I'm sure he got frustrated because we couldn't do what they could do back then. But I, I remember that practice. Like, this would have taken us eight turns to get eight goals. Like, you guys are terrible. Put an 80s goalie in there. Yeah, I would say, Piercy, you get in there. We have a chance. Yeah. I saw some more arms up in the air back there. Yeah. Do you guys think that Kale McCarr was the right choice for Colorado to take fourth overall? And if he was, do you think he was going to be able to step in and help them make the roster again and make a difference in making the roster? Um, got no chance of making the roster. No, although Craig Button, who's the resident scout of TSN, there was – so I, well actually, I, I should correct myself. It was Bob McKenzie who ended up polling ten scouts, and five of them had said Nico Heashier, four of them had said Nolan Patrick, and one had said Kale. So he had gained some ground. Whatever that means, I mean, take that kind of information and do it with what you want, but um, he was starting to gain some ground with a lot of scouts. They were noticing him. Um, I don't – I mean, I don't know. You tell me, do you think anybody in this draft would really – like at least the top three or five, do you think any of them would make – the NHL next year? I think he sure and Patrick can. Patrick will be with the Flyers, yeah. I think, yeah. Yeah. But maybe that's it. But either way, I mean, the fact that he got that kind of recognition, don't think it's a bad thing. Did Dana Zubris come out of the – you guys are too young for this. Did Dana Zubris, who's around my age, I, th I think he played – He was in, like in the U.S. playing somewhere. I think I he think. played in Caledon, if I'm not mistaken, in like the – whatever that league would be called, like tier same level as Kale McCarr was, and he went right to – That's the not NHL. the same level as the AJ. <laughs> I've no? covered the AJ. No, not really. No, like Junior A in BC and Alberta really did a lot of good. What is the Junior A in Toronto where I played growing up? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I don't understand. Well, I, I just know that a lot Isn't of it the same path. Like the kids who go to yeah, college. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If it's Junior I, A, yeah. yeah, yeah. We drew, we we drew the same college kids from Alberta. They weren't any better than the Toronto kids. Uh, you guys can have that conversation. I'll keep going. Sorry, sorry. The BCJ, <laughs> the BCJ puts the most kids into NCAA though, don't they? I, I have no idea. I yeah, the no BC idea. Junior A leagues like. A level above those two, like the OJHL. No offense, it's not. How many kids were drafted out of Ontario Junior A? Like oh, to the I to the no in, right into the NHL. Like that's what's yeah. happening not out the of hardly any. There's like 86 AJHL guys that get drafted out of this. I don't know. I mean, it's 86 out of out of AJHL into the NHL, like directly on the draft. Pareko was AJHL. He was Fort Benning. But he's committed to an NCAA school, so he's expected to go and get some experience. Put your mic there. to your mouth. Year, <laughs> yeah. all time, like yeah. <laughs> not this year. Like that seems like a lot. I'm like I don't think so. Yeah. But it's like it's like a few every year yeah. are coming out of there, yeah. and I don't know if Ontario is producing that. I wonder if the OHL is a bigger draw in, in Ontario, like because it seems like the OHL puts more kids into the draft as well than. Guys like Red Berenson say they can't draw the OHL kids in. They, they, yeah. I mean, they, the Ontario kids, they have a really hard time getting into yeah. the NCAA. I don't know why that yeah. is. You would maybe. Well, I was never asked to play in the OHL, so it didn't matter to me. I <laughs> it was an you were decision. fortunate then, I mean, right? Yeah, no, it worked out. You got to keep playing. I do. Education. Yes. Education. Knowledge yes. is power. There you go. But was he drafted out of the OJHL? 
thing. Couple more questions out there. Uh, yeah, so I was hoping to tie a couple of these questions together. Gretzky and Coach Chapman from GM. Uh, just thinking about uh, GM seem to operate on a, a rather small spectrum in terms of leaving GMs that they thought were good. Uh, protect Matt Martin, uh, trade for Ryan Reeves. And uh, how do you move out of this uh, old boys club in hockey? How do you start to, to break that down and, and see some more? Amen. It's starting. You know, you look at I look at the AGMs, the assistant GMs around the league, and they're closer to my age, and they're new school, and they're talking about analytics, and it's starting. And That's those guys. Bubner. Did you get close enough? Or? Former NHLer though, right? Like, like, the, like the guys I'm talking about are like guys who didn't play in the NHL, right? Yeah. They went to. MIT or whatever. Like yeah. those guys, that's happened in baseball. That's happened in the NBA. It's going to happen. It'll happen in hockey. It's just going to take more longer. But then you have Doug Waite making the comment about how he just wanted to hire former NHLers with him in the island, right? Yeah. But I, I, I think the point's well made, though. I mean, mm. the, what's the average age of a GM in the league? John Chai If we take John Chai out of the picture, I mean, it's got to be. He brings it down, but other than that, it's like 80. It's got to be. I, I saw him no, in the it's GM it's meetings. Would it be over 60? Mm, I think pretty close, mid, late, mid, late 50s, 50s, I would say. Anyway, yeah. so, I mean, I think there's Which the older I get, by the way, late 50s is really young. I'm just saying. Seems young. Yeah. I, I saw the GM meetings when, when it opened, the door opened, and they were in Chicago, and they were coming out, and John Chica sticks out like the sorest thumb of all time. I was like, he looks like the guy who's there to open the door or something. And, and he's running the show there now. Like, <laughs> well. Andrew Barraway. Sure. Get to know that. But he I wasn't before they fired well, the coach who well was running the show so that's where the saying. GM was under. I don't Without know. Tippett there now, I think he's he's got more to say yes. than when he was, is what I'm yes. suggesting. we got about 10 minutes left in uh, the panel, so let's get to free agency, uh, and we'll keep the Q&A open to the audience. Um, you know, defensemen, obviously the hot topic. What are some of the top blue liners you guys are looking at, and where do you anticipate them signing? Kevin Shattenkirk and Carl Alsner are the biggest names. And, uh, you know, the thing that's been talked about a lot this week when it comes to July 1st is that this is the time that the teams make the biggest mistakes. And not, not anymore, though, I don't you think. You don't think so? Like I you mean, don't occasionally, think but not as bad as they used to. So let me ask you. Do you remember do you the Brad Kevin Richards parking lot in Newport Sports? Like, uh. there's, like, eight teams waiting to go into Newport to sign Richie. And I love, you know. David Clarkson was 2013. Like, it's not that far away. No, but, it's yeah, no, but I, I do think it's changing. I do think people – Realize and also. Really, do you think T.J. Oshie should have gotten the eight years that he got? No, no. but but. <laughs> that was like last week. Some I understand that, but it, you, you also appreciate how teams are in very difficult spots with guys like T.J. It's it's easy to say well, walk away because like you only probably want that value for three or four years. Is he going to shoot twenty four percent again next year? Probably not. I mean, is he going to get twenty four goals, not thirty three? Probably. But if you want to win, sometimes you have to do things that you probably know are not long-term in the best interest of your team because you have a short-term goal and a short-term opportunity to win the cup. And I think, I think the GM in Washington knows that. I think he knows that the last three years of that deal might be tricky. I mean, TJ's 36, 37, 38. But if they want to win now... Sometimes you have to do that. So that's the question. Because Milan Lucic, I think a lot of people were surprised that he got what he got last year, which is around free agency. And I think that's like that to me seems to be the question now is that if 
if you're so desperate to win, is there still going to be that team that will sign that player to a longer term than they should sign them to? Because players want term. We have Brian Boyle on Leafs Lunch, and that was a first, God bless him for his honesty, and he has every right. But that's exactly what he said. When he said, what could lure you? He's like, term. This is a guy already in his 30s. Like, who's going to offer him, like the Leafs? I mean, I'm sure there's somebody out there, but as far as the Leafs, like, do you think the Leafs would offer him more than two years? They could. He wants to go back to Tampa, though. But that's what I mean. Like, this is why we say, like, this is the time that teams make mistakes. Sometimes maybe it's not so much on the the money, but maybe it's the term. Well, guys like Boyle are wondering how much longer they're going to be in the league. I mean, he's a big guy. The league gets faster every year. I don't begrudge him for wanting term. Yeah. So. But there's going to be a team out there that'll do it. But you talk about mis- like Carl Alsner, if he's one of the bigger guys. Like if someone's going to give him five years at five million dollars, probably that might be a mistake. Yeah, it'll be a mistake. <laughs> and I hope he gets it. I hope he gets ten million dollars a year. I like. I love when players get paid, but um, you know, defensive at such a premium. You talk about Shattenkirk. You know, he's worth the most. Um, he didn't help himself in the playoffs, but he's worth the most. Uh, but guys like Alsner, who. I'd be leery of, of giving those guys term and dollars. Look how shallow the pool is. That like, That's like how many, you, no how many, how many good defense? No, they don't. Because teams don't, they can't they afford to, they can't afford to lose a TJ Oshie, yeah. so they just overpay them. Because they can never get, no, they can't get another one, and drafting them is, is it takes too long. And that that's that's the problem for teams, and that's why Toronto is in a good spot. But I also think that's why Toronto, it, the notion that. You got lots of time. All these guys are rookies. It'd be great. Like, I, your best time to win is when your best players are on their entry level deals, because you can surround them with more money and, and fill re- fill out the roster. Like, five years from now, it sounds great when Austin Matthews is 24, but they're all going to be making so much money, it's going to be harder to put a team around them. So I think the next year and the, fo- the one following that will be that's kind of when Toronto's got to go. Take it to the audience too. We got a hand in the third row there. We might be able to hear you. I don't know if the mic's coming. Yeah, we could hear you. I got the mic. Speaking of free agents, McKellen, who's going to be the team's backup goalie? Oh, I'm still working on that. Um, I, I, I personally think that they should go back to Curtis McElhinney. I thought he and Frederick Anderson worked really well together. Um, and this is just – so this is just a theory I have, right, is that at least with Frederick Anderson, I mean, number one, he's getting paid as the number one. He knows he's the number one. But sometimes it's nice to have a backup that you know is not going to steal the number one from you. I mean, there are some guys who like the push, and they don't mind the competition, and there are other guys that just need to know they're the number one and they're not going to lose their crease to anybody. Not to say that Frederick Anderson would ever have any kind of catastrophic, catastrophic fail, because I think that's what it would take if – Curtis McElhinney's the backup to suddenly become the number one. But McElhinney's in his 30s. He's been there, done that. And I feel that Frederick Anderson needs somebody who has been there, done that, because he needs somebody who can also teach him and give him advice and see the game in a certain way. So when something's happening, he can go to him during a timeout or a commercial break and say, hey, first 10 minutes of the first period have gone by. What are you seeing? And I feel like McElhinney has enough experience where he can say to him, I'm seeing this, I'm seeing that, this guy's shooting here, they're doing this. And I really feel like he could help him um, because we had this conversation on whether or not it was worth bringing up a Garrett, Garrett Sparks, you know, or anybody right now who's with the Marlies. Like, would that make sense to bring them up as a backup? A, no, because they need playing time. But B, what experience do they have? What could they possibly do to help Frederick Anderson or teach Frederick Anderson? I feel like he needs somebody who's experienced and can help him without being a threat to take the crease away from him. But that's just my opinion. 
would get the best backup you can. I, I, I look at I look at someone like Brian Elliott, or I mean, if, if Frederick oh. Anderson has is one Brian of those Elliott a backup, he's he gonna might be. be. Yeah, he <laughs> better get used to <laughs> it. Might have to be. Uh, Where is he gonna start next year? But let's not forget McElhaney. Now maybe it's because it was so bad with Jonas Enroth. But, you know, he came in and got you your points, and he was the one who was in net when they clinched a spot for the playoffs. I'm with James. Um, I, I think less about – not to say that you're not right. I, just, it, I think less about the interpersonal dynamic. I haven't seen a ton of exchanges like that between the goaltenders on the bench. doesn't mean it doesn't exist, but I, I want a guy who's the best goalie available because I think you want – you don't – I think we're also learning you don't want goalies to play 68 games, 71 games anymore. I think you want them – much closer to 60 than to 70. Tell the Edmonton Oilers that they destroyed Cam Talbot. And, and he may, and there's always, like with Marty Berdour, there's always, you know, exceptions to the rule, but I think um, playing a guy a bit less. So if you want your backup to play 20, 22 games, you want the best guy available. And, and 25% of your season, right? McElhaney's like not the best guy available. He's not the best goaltender like available. Who's, who's a guy, though, that would be really considered a back? Like, to me, Brian Elliott, I think, still considers himself a number one. And will Where? There's no, jobs, There's no jobs left. There's no jobs no left. Teams. Teams. So what money would he take? Well, it depends. Condon just got 2.4. I mean, I think that that's probably the right ballpark. Agreed. With Lee Simon? Yeah. And he knows he can get Curtis still at a million? Condon got 2.4 for three years? Yeah. For 800 a year. Or 2.4 a year. No, he got 2.4 a year. That's like the Jeff Finger contract. No, it's not that. $4 million? It's not. No, it's no, no, not no, no. nearly no, as no, bad. No, 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 no. I meant the reaction. Like that's four million dollars for four years. So well, a million dollars a year. No, no. Yeah. Four per. Well, it's like. Um, that, that that's, uh, th I guess my reaction and good for Mike. That seems like a lot for Mike Condon. It's it's a little bit high. Yeah. yeah. But there aren't a lot of good candidates. I mean, if you want an upgrade on Curtis McElhaney, there's only a couple of guys that can give you that, and I think those guys have some leverage to get two million. But the Leafs have cap space. I mean, I think they should blow it on a short term. Yeah, he's going to be guaranteed. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. On the short term. I mean, because that, that was a conversation we brought up today with Patrick Marlowe, because that was floating out there about could he be connected with the Leafs. Where are you going? You're not going to convince Patrick Marlowe to play on the fourth line, nor, and he's going to demand $6 million. Okay, here's our $6 million fourth line center. My, what are you talking about? Like, none of well, that Well, they were trying sense. to trade JVR on the weekend, so there would be a spot. You shut your mouth. They were trying to, they were trying to trade him. <laughs> I like JVR a lot. No, it's true. They were trying to trade him. We've got about five minutes left, so probably leaves time for one question. Yes, right here. I think it was him. Yeah. Right in the middle, right there. <laughs> there is dysfunction in the Leafs front office. Not a lot. <laughs> I did write about it, but it's just there's a lot of big personalities there, and there's some people that don't get along every day, and it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I mean, there's – there's a pow power battle there, and Lou Lamarillo is going to be 75 years old in October, and he's not going to be there forever. And I think a lot of people in the front office wonder who the next GM is going to be. Is it Kyle? Is it Mark? Mark? Is it Mike Babcock? But is that... <laughs> <laughs> no. Cliff is the one who signed Jeff Finger. He signed me, too. See? <laughs> <laughs> and, and traded for me twice. So there you go. Silver Fox. Oh, Uncle Cliffy. Thank you. Thank Silver you. Fox. Yeah. He's the best. He's yeah. the best. But I will say this. And I, I've never worked in a regular office. But not everyone always gets along wherever everyone works. right? Like it's not always the smoothest. And I think you can still be productive and efficient and, and, and functioning 
when you don't get along with everyone beautifully. Now, if you're undermining each other and fighting for power, probably not so much. But in a dressing room, the idea that the winning team won because everyone gets along is so not accurate. I mean, there, there are great guys who lose always. There are bad guys who win often. There are teams that hate each other and still win. It's just, I think that's a, that, that's a bit of a... I think story here in the NHL. That all of these guys, all, the time. all these guys are big personalities. They're from different backgrounds. They came into the organization at different times. There's, they have different ideas about what to do. There's, I, I think some infighting is healthy. I think that it has gone beyond to a degree. I think yeah. it has gone beyond that level. But so you're saying it doesn't. Th- this dysfunction doesn't go back to this previous question about avoiding what Colorado, what's happened in Colorado. It won't affect what happens. Well, in they're still making pretty reasonably smart decisions most mm-hmm. of the time. So as long as that keeps happening, then it's fine. But we'll see. Do you think Lou gets extended now? Yeah. Probably. I think he does this summer, yeah. 75. Then we go back to term again. <laughs> well, it doesn't matter for guys. and It may matter to him personally, but yeah. because there's no salary cap. The Leafs don't have a trillion dollars. <laughs> like, whatever. So if he gets Uncle extended. Cliffy's still on the payroll. I mean, yeah. like, whatever. Like, <laughs> it's okay to pay guys for a long – and if, if they want to pay him a whole bunch and then ask him to leave in two years, it, it doesn't really matter to us fans yeah. like it's not going to affect what's happening on the ice so wait if he gets extended who would be the odd man out this is me i don't think any of us i don't think even <laughs> brenda shanahan knows what's going to happen with this mm-hmm. we're guessing doesn't he get to decide he does get to decide but i'm not oh, sure he's he knows, not sure he i'm sure he know knows that. what's going to happen two years from now in terms of who the gm is going to be right he might be thinking pretty hard right now watching us on facebook i live, tried to so. drill him a little bit more on the question he wasn't given so Great question, though. Do we have time for one fired. more? <laughs> I think we have time for one more. We'll squeeze in one, and then we'll finish off the final panel of the night. So over here, yeah. Yeah. How do you think Vegas did in the draft? Ooh. I was waiting for Vegas to come up. Vegas, baby. Well, Vegas's draft was not about the team they picked. It's about the picks that they got for picking the team they picked. I mean, um, they're not going to be very good, I don't think. Um, but they got a lot of draft picks for what, you know, the players that will be there when they will become good, they got a lot of chances to get more players like that. So I think they did okay in that regard. If they were trying to put their best team on the ice or even the team that may become the best team, I don't think they did that. I don't think they wanted to. I think their draft pick in 2018 is going to be pretty good. It's a bad team, and they should have picked a bad team. But some of the guys they they drafted have no value at all. Like, why would you pick a Alexi? Thorburn? Uh, yeah, Thorburn, Emelin, uh, Spiza. Like, they're not even going to be able to trade those guys. Apparently, Montreal is once again interested in Alexi Yemelov. Why? What are they going to get? I mean, they traded Schlemko to Montreal for a fifth round pick. I mean. You know, you yeah. might as well pick just to take a flyer on a young guy well and then, then go for a fifth-round pick. Like Lucas Pisa, like well, we did our mock drafts. I'm sure you did them. You did them. We all we all tried them. Vancouver was a tough team to pick somebody from. <laughs> just take. I a took Reed Boucher. I'm like, who knows? Maybe yeah. he can score a little bit. Maybe he's a good player in the minors. Take a pending UFA, and then you got. Or just wa- somebody to walk away from. Yeah. 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 We some of them ones I didn't understand, but they're they won't be fantastic. Yes. I got told we have time for one more question because there was a lot of hands up that last time. Mike is traveling. No, I'm right here. Quick question. <laughs> uh, Mike, seeing that you are a free agent, do you plan on going to South Korea? 
<laughs> Once I finish my game at UCC. You know what? Um, I obviously. Are you in shape? Like, did you do it? For real? How competitive Thanks, is Andy. that? Thanks, <laughs> Andy. Thank you. Apparently, they're going to announce that team, I heard, this week or next, uh, of next week. Of course, I could not do real it for soon. real. I haven't played hockey in, like, six years. So, um, but it will be interesting to see the whole Olympic thing, how it plays out. Will Ovi, who said, I'm going no matter what, how does the league and Washington deal with players like that? If he goes, can then everyone else on Washington go? Can it, you know, how that works will be very interesting to see. And then also how much everyone cares about whether it's journeyman European players or college players or, you know, first-round draft picks that aren't in the NHL. Whoever makes up that team, you know, does it kind of capture the spirit of the hockey world? I know the Olympics are a very big deal. I've never been. You know, I know you miss Olympics, and you do a great job there. Like, I've never been involved in any way. Like, I would go. I'd be the water boy in that team. I don't care. Like, I would do anything to, like, be part of the Olympics. I think it would be great in any capacity. But I am curious to see how it plays out. It's been really neat. I've, I've done a story, a couple of stories on the South Korean team and all of the North Americans that are on that team. They have nine guys, if you include the coaching staff, that are from either the U.S. or Canada. Most of them are Canadian. And they have basically up, picked up their entire lives and moved to South Korea for four, five, six years just to play in this one tournament for two weeks. They're going to play three games, get smoked, and then be done. But, I mean, it's worth it. Like, it's, it's, it's the Olympics. It's, it's, it's the biggest sporting event in the world. They had to change their citizenship. They had to go. Yeah. It's, it's fascinating. We should finish on the opinions of you guys and, and the whole Olympic controversy. I mean, I think it's sad that the NHL is not going to be there because, I mean, we can tell you all we want about how special the Olympics are, but unless, you know, you, you really are there, you don't really realize what it means to be in the athlete's village, what it means to interact with other athletes as well in different sports and just see what they go through, their journey. There really is something special about that, representing your country. It just is a completely different feel when you put that on. I see how a player just changes uh, when they're representing their country as opposed to, you know, their pro team. But I will say that I don't believe it's over either. I mean, I think that they will be in China for the next Olympics as well. The schedule's out. Oh, I was gonna, I, it's not over for China. It's, mm -hmm. it's over. The schedule's out. No, no, out. it's over for yeah, here, okay. but I don't think it's over for NHL participation in Going the Olympics. to 2022. I think they're going to be in China. Yes. Yeah. All right. Well, that does it for our final panel. Thank you so much, guys. Did you want? I've got I've got a gift for everyone here. Wow. Hope everyone can come grab one of those. Mike right. can use Is it in his game tape? next week. Yeah, it's blade tape. Awesome Check from the athletic. Oh. Please subscribe. Apparently, instead of just taping your stick, you stick one of these. Yeah, on this there. is a new cheat. Like it's like Velcro Sweet. instead of like shoelaces. Yeah. This would be great for ball hockey, like street hockey. Just stick it if on. If anyone's there. allowed to play street hockey anymore, free sure stuff. Come take. Yeah, there you go. Thanks, everybody. We are back for night two of Puck Talks Fest tomorrow, seven o'clock, same spot. We'll see you then.